0: When my parents drug me to church as a six-week-old baby, the first question I asked them is, why all the singing, Mom and Dad? (laughs) Just kidding. One of the early questions I asked my parents was, this is weird. A bunch of people get together, and there's an organ, and they sing songs. Where else do you get together, and like a main part of what you do is singing? If you said to anyone, hey, we want you to come to something we're going to do. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you'll have to sing. Many people are going to be like, thanks, but no thanks. Singing is not necessarily something I'm wanting to just go and do. And yet, singing is essential and central to the gathering of the church. And so our ambition this morning, and hopefully you've already started to taste it through some of the testimony, is to answer the question, but why? Why? Why do we sing? There's reference to singing over 400 times in the scriptures, and over 50 times we are commanded to sing. So I could say, as my sermon and be done, we sing because God said so, right? But that's not good enough for me, so hopefully it's not good enough for you. Why? Why would he tell us to sing? And I think there are three main realities, there are certainly more, but three main realities that speak to this reality, Uh, three realities that speak to reality, how about that? Three main realities that speak to this idea, the central uh, place of singing in the gathering of the Christian church. And because there's not necessarily one central passage, we're kind of going to be jumping a little bit as we go and, and we'll be able to put some scripture on the screen so that you can follow with... As we go, the first reason, and I think it's the foundational reason that we are called to sing, is because God sings. God sings, and so we sing. The prophet Zephaniah in chapter 3 writes this. I put this one up because we would all be here for years trying to find Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, this is what he writes Sing, daughter Zion. He's saying, People of God, people of Israel, you should sing. Why? Shout aloud. Be glad, rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. Listen to this. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. Instead, he will rejoice over you with singing. The first reason we sing is because God sings. And if you stop and think about this, this is incredible, right? The creator, the sustainer of the entire universe, when he pauses to think about you, His heart is moved to song. It says he delights in you. That God doesn't just put up with you or rescue you because he feels sorry for you. He actually delights in you. He actually likes being with you. He's blown away by you. And so much so that it moves his heart to sing. There's two things that follow out of this for me. In, in understanding then, why do we sing? The first is because we're created in God's image. Scripture is clear about that, right? That, that man, humanity, man and women are created in the image of God. That, that we reflect who God is. And so therefore, if singing is key to addressing the affections of the heart for God, then it should be similar for us as humanity. That one of the, the profound ways that God has wired and created us To announce our affection or our emotions, sometimes sadness, is through music or through singing. In a simple way, you could say, part of being human is to sing. Or, if you didn't mince words like one of my favorite guys, Martin Luther, he would say it this way. If you don't like music, then you're not human. Right? This is almost a direct quote from Martin Luther. Then he goes on to say, in fact, you are nothing more than a clodhopper. I had to look that up. You should look that up, too, because I'm still not sure what it means. But that's his word. If it's bad, if it's a bad word, it's his word, not mine, okay? You're nothing more than a clodhopper. And he says, you should be forced to listen to, listen to nothing else but for the rest of your life except the braying of donkeys and the snorting of hogs, right? So again, Luther, you know, one of my favorites because he just kind of tells it like he says. His music is human. Anyone who doesn't understand that, the the centrality of singing is to not be human, to not understand the affections of the heart and the emotions of the heart. It's part of who we are. But also, it's part of how we respond to a God who sings. That is, if there is a song coming from heaven to earth over us, how much more then should there be a song rising from earth to heaven because of him? Does that make sense? That God's heart is so moved to sing over us, how then could our hearts not be moved to sing over him? There's actually an answer to that. The answer is if you haven't heard his song that he sung over you. That's how your heart wouldn't be moved. And unfortunately for many of us, even though we have been attending church for numbers of years, we actually haven't heard that song. We've heard a lot of religion, a lot of talk about how we can get God to love us, not the fact that he actually delights in us already. Or we've heard a lot of how-tos, what you need to do, how to make it through these things, not the experience of the presence and relationship of God. That is when the gospel actually unlocks your heart with its truth that you are loved more than you will ever understand even though you are far more broken than you'll ever admit. You cannot help but release a song to heaven. One author said it this way, not all of us are blessed with a voice. Fair? It's true, right? Some of you can sing better than others. We get it. But we All have been blessed with a song. Does that make sense? That we all have a song to sing. And the song is the gospel. Who God is and what He has done. There should be a reciprocating, a never-ending cycle of music, of songs coming down from heaven and songs going back up to God. That is a relationship with God, is a receiving of the songs He sings over us and responding with our songs back to Him. A heart connected together we sing because god sings over us second reason we sing is because god is worthy of our songs in psalm 138 this is what the psalmist writes i will praise you lord with all my heart before the gods i love that it's in quotation marks i will sing your praise i will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name For your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. Why do we sing? We sing because God is worthy of it. I love what the psalmist writes, right? Understand this, right? The translators add the quotation marks. There's no Hebrew mention of quotation marks in the the early manuscript. But they're, they're highlighting what the psalmist is trying to say here, that he sings to the God in front of all these supposed gods. Do you get it? That he's the one who's worthy of our praise and affection, not everything else in the world that is vying for it, especially ourselves, <laughs> right? That we sing to God because he deserves it. He deserves it not simply because he is far superior, that he is the God, but also because of what he's done, who he is and what he's done. His steadfast love, it says, that is extended to us forever. That he looked on us in our desperate affairs, and that he entered into the mess of our existence. That he rescued us not because we deserved it, but because he delights in us, because he loves us, because he wants relationship with us. And that he has called us children, sons and daughters, welcomed us into a broad family. Imagine the difference between being rescued at sea and dropped off at the shore and being rescued at sea and welcomed into the palatial estate of the king of the of the kingdom nearby this is the difference of the gospel and therefore god is worthy of our praise he's worthy of our songs but i love what else the psalmist writes here he says do you catch it he says i sing with my heart it's interesting isn't it Because there's something deeper happening here. We certainly can sing with our mouths, and this is important. But the psalmist is saying God is worthy not just of our spoken or sung praises, but of praises that actually rise from the depths of our being. That actually are deeply emotional expressions of worship to God. That is, that God is worthy of all of us, and all of us should be praising God. Another way to say it is this way, that passionless worship is, in fact, an oxymoron. Or, as my good friend Martin Luther would say, brace yourselves. (laughs) Don't be lazy in your worship, church, right? This is what he would say. Or for a little more inspiration, John Wesley, the great preacher, wrote this. You should sing lustily and with good courage. Not worried about what those around you would, sing, would, would see, but focused on Him who you are worshiping. Singing should not be another box we check when we gather together, it should come from our emotions, from our heart. It should be passionate. I remember in college, there was this professor. He wasn't even a, a Bible professor. He was, I forget, I think he was an education professor. But whenever we would sing in chapel, uh, he was always noticeable because he would be on his tiptoes. And it's not because he was short, although he was short. He was on his tippy toes because he was so moved by the singing that he he would say to me later when I asked him that 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 it rises all the way from his toes out through his mouth, that he was fully engaged in this worship of God. It was not just a box he was checking or another thing we did when we gathered together. He was actually stopping to recognize the creator of the world in relationship to himself and to acknowledge this divine rescue that had happened because of God's love for him. Church, if we could be a congregation who sings not because we're supposed to, but sings because we can, because of what God has done for us. If we can be unafraid to toss our hands in the air, not because other people do it, but because in that moment the Spirit is moving within us. If we can be unafraid to lift our voices, even if we're unsure how it sounds to the person next to us, why? Because God is worthy of all of that. Do you see it? And oftentimes, we're much more concerned, as Wesley reminds us, of those around us than of the one we are actually praising. Now listen, all of this happens within your own wiring. Right? No one is calling you to some cookie-cutter version of what a Christian worshiper is supposed to be like. But you know your emotional intensity and where it's at, and you know how sometimes you check it Because it might not seem safe in the moment. What would it mean to praise God, not just with your mouth, but with your heart? Third reason why we sing when we gather as a church is because it helps us grow. Because it helps us grow. Luther said that that singing is second only to theology. He valued singing when the church gathered so much that it it was as as critical as anything else in the existence of the church. That when we sing, we actually engage in the process of discipling our hearts and our minds. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3. He said, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. How? Through sermons? No. With all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That is that one of the chief purposes of singing in the church is actually to teach and admonish the church. Do you see this? That we grow deep in our faith when we sing. That somehow, in its reality, music and the practice of singing and engaging together as a congregation actually drives the truth of God deeper into our hearts. At a purely practical and logical level, all of you know this truth because there are some songs you can't get out of your head whether you want to or not. Singing helps us remember, it just does. And so Paul says, somewhat radically, teach and admonish, and here's how you do it, through singing psalms and songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That we grow in our faith by what we sing. And this is why, church, it matters what we sing. Not just that we sing. Because we are discipling our hearts. It's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for Adam Thompson and his ministry and his leadership over our entire music team and the way that he goes about songs and is careful to make sure that our songs are songs that can only be sung about Christ, about God. Songs that announce the gospel. Songs that don't just toy with our hearts with interesting tunes, but actually shape our minds with truth about who God is. And... There can be both of those, right? You don't just have to have good lyrics and bad music. There actually does exist in the church catalog today beautiful music with solid words. And because singing is critical to the discipling process, this is central. The great theologian Gordon Fee wrote this in one of his works on music. He says, Show me a church's songbook. And I will tell you what they believe. Fascinating. We grow in depth through our singing. But you could almost miss this in the Colossians chapter three verse, unless we stop and see it. Did you notice that? Because for most of us, singing is a very personal experience. It can be with a with a congregation our size, or you can sit in, in a mega church somewhere singing, no matter how large the group is, is almost always an individual experience. I think that's partly because of the Western and American culture we live in, also partly based on the consumeristic versions of church that we experience. But Paul actually suggests in this that our singing doesn't just admonish and teach us, but that it teaches, did you catch it? One another. (laughs) That is that your engagement and participation in singing when we gather is actually one of the many vessels that God uses to instruct and admonish the church as a whole in who God is. When I was a kid and not really engaging in singing, what I would like to do is look around at people who are singing. And there's different reasons for this. Some of them were very fleshly. (laughs) Some of them were because I was fascinated by what was going on. And my mom... Uh, would always tap me on the shoulder and say, stop staring, stop staring, right? And it's, that's good advice from a parent, right? You shouldn't... But I want to tell you something, church. I think we can pull out from this Colossians chapter 3 passage that we actually are supposed to watch each other worship. That the affection and the worship of someone is meant to spur us on to love and good deeds in a Hebrews 10 chapter, chapter 10 way. That what we talked about last week is true in the particularities of worship that part of gathering a huge part of gathering is actually what you bring for the church not what the church gives to you and when you engage in worship you actually enhance the faith of those around you. I can tell you because I often stand back there and watch when we sing that my faith has been deeply encouraged watching you worship. And only that much more as we collectively see the purpose and engage wholeheartedly in it. Somehow in our worship, we grow in depth in the gospel. And I think Paul gives us the reason why he says that the the means that is music is actually not the end, right? The singing is not the end. It is a means to an end. And he says in Colossians chapter 3, the end is the word of Christ dwelling richly within us, right? The word of Christ dwell richly within you as you admonish and teach one another through, right? So we sing in order to admonish and teach one another, and so why? So what's the end result? That the word of Christ might dwell richly with, in us. Sometimes here's where we get off track as the church, capital C. We think that singing is a means to an end, right? Or excuse me, we don't think that singing is a means to an end. We think that it is the end. That the experience of singing is the joy of singing. The experience of singing is a wonderful opportunity for God to move and shape our hearts. I would suggest to you that one of the ways you disciple your heart is through singing the right songs, that actually takes the truth of God and moves it into a passion for God within us. But if we are not careful, we can fall into the trap that St. Augustine warned his readers about in his confessions He says that sometimes the experience of singing can become the thing that gives meaning rather than what we are singing about. And so we must always be careful when we gather as a church to remember that we sing to teach and admonish our souls and to teach and admonish each other so that the word of Christ, or let's just translate it quite literally. Jesus Himself might dwell richly within us through His Spirit. Not so that we can have a wonderful experience. Not so that we can have a concert-like gathering. Not so that we can create emotional moments for people, although any of those things in and of themselves are okay so long as the end is the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly. Why do we sing? Because singing produces the kinds of testimonies that you have already heard. And the kinds of testimonies that you will continue to hear as we sing the next couple of songs. We sing because we have a God who so delights in you that He sings over you. And how can we upon hearing and internalizing that song called the gospel, do anything other than respond in song to God. Because He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it for who He is and for what He's done. And He's worthy not just of us going through the motions or singing certain lyrics or or reading stuff off of a screen, but for actually engaging in it, engaging our emotions in our worship, including our heart and letting it rise up, our whole being from our tippy-toes all the way out our mouth. God is worthy of that kind of lusty worship, as Wesley would say. And as we are doing it, God, as only He can, is using it to transform us in a Romans 12, 1 and 2 kind of way. We are not conformed to this world But we are transformed, how? By the renewing of our minds. What is a prominent way to renew your mind? To sing songs of truth that connect your head to your heart and change you in profound ways. And the gospel pushes deeper into us. And as the gospel pushes deeper into us, we experience what Luther says, that music actually drives the devil away. And our allegiance and commitment to Christ is that much more strengthened. And as a congregation, as a church, as the global body of Christ, we get to do it together because then its impact is multiplied. It is not just for my heart that I sing, but also for yours. Sometimes I get so carried away in singing that I sing the wrong words. You've probably heard that happen before. And guess what? That's okay. Sometimes I think it's going to be in a certain, certain note or a certain speed, and I sing it the wrong way or hit the wrong note because I'm no musician. And guess what? That's okay too. But it is not okay, as Luther would say, to sing as if you were half dead or as if you were half asleep because God is worthy of it. Your heart needs it. And my heart needs it from you. Can I pray with you?